morning, everybody. So uh, I can say Merry Christmas now because I watched just enough of the uh, Macy's Day Thanksgiving parade to know that Santa came and ushered in the uh, Christmas season. Uh, one of the things that I like about the Christmas season is actually the fire in the fireplace. How many like that? It actually has a history. Uh, they, they, they used to call it a Yuletide fire because it was, uh, it was something that the people could come around and find a place of, of safety. It's where they could find a place of comfort. They, they know that historically the first poem was written about it that they know of in the late in the middle 1600s, 1648. Uh, it comes birthed out of Europe, and uh, it was done basically because, you know, unlike Texas, the, the, uh, the weather is just really, really cold. And so there would be just whole ceremony that would be come around the lighting of the fire. They would take the, the remnants of the, the, the log from the previous year as a, as a way to begin to uh, start it. And they just believe that, that you know, in this ceremony that, they're, that, that puts the past in the past and we're lighting something new, we're lighting something fresh, and, uh, and they celebrate it. So the French come along and say, well, we can do better than that. And so it was the French that came up with the, uh, the Yuletide cake. And maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've had one. It's rolled up, right? And it's got the cream in it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a nice way to finish that perfect Christmas, you know, feast. And then, of course, as people started to live more in apartments and uh, fireplaces weren't around, they would take logs and they would drill holes in them and they would put candles in them because there's just something comforting about uh, being close to a blazing fire. Uh, it's a time where, you know, if you've ever been on a camp out or you're just looking at the fire in your, in your living room, you find it's a good time to reflect. It's a, it's a good time to find some rest because now that you've done the work, you can set it and it just kind of goes on its own. It's there that we find the warmth and the comfort. Uh, it's even around the fire that we really get a sense of community, a sense of, of oneness. And so as we are approaching now the Christmas season, a lot of stresses, a lot of things will come along that will try to extinguish the, the fire that, can ease, that is intended to be in our hearts. You know, as you come to Christmas, all of a sudden you got to start thinking about all the different gifts that, you, that you're needing to buy. You start going, uh-oh, I'm stressing because I don't have enough money or I've got too many people and, and not enough uh, money to do all of that. Or you find that it's, maybe it was this last weekend that the family conflict started because family starts coming to go around a little bit more and all of a sudden that uh, you're more worried about the way somebody's going to receive what you say if it's being wrong or hurtful. A lot of people during the holidays, they really struggle with a, a place of loneliness. They look at everybody else having their fellowships and their parties and they oftentimes feel left out. Uh, I, it, in fact, uh, this is real common in churches that uh, it's during the holiday season that people overcommit. You ever find yourself overcommitting during the holidays? No? Because, you know, one of the things about church people, they're just really not good at saying no. And so the, all of a sudden there's these unrealistic expectations that are upon us during this time of year. Or maybe you're a person that, that uh, when it comes to the holiday seasons, you really find that it's a time of, of grief. And it's a time where you're just reminded of the loss that took place. Uh, and, of course, there's always the, the cultural and, and religious differences that come during the holiday 
um, uh, holiday times because there are some people that say it's, uh, it's the devil's work to put up a Christmas tree and Santa is really Satan. And if you do the credit cards that you're spending during the holiday season, you're ushering in the 666 and all sorts of weird things that people begin to talk about as a way of boosting their own religious approach to life. And so we have to make a conscious effort. We have to have a plan to ignite fires of Christmas joy. It's crucial for us because everything, everything in our life will try to take away the joy that has been given to us. And so we have to be intentional this time of year to make sure that we're constantly working on that specific fire. And it's there that I want to take you to Luke chapter 2 and read a very familiar portion of scripture, but I think you're going to look at it maybe a little bit differently than you have before. It's the story of the, the shepherds and the angels coming and making the announcement to Jesus and them making their way to the manger. But starting in verse 8, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto, unto you is a born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I like the New Living Tens, uh, Translation there. It says you, you'll, you'll find, it, find the child in a snuggly, snuggly, I like the, that it uses that word, snuggly, uh, snuggly wrapped, I think is the way it says it. And then suddenly there was, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made uh, known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So if we're going to light and keep lit this dynamic of joy in our hearts during the holiday season, we really first have to understand the difference between joy and happiness. Because we live in a, we live in a culture that is constantly seeking after and desiring happiness. And happiness is something that is a reaction to something great. Something great happens to you and you have an emotional response of happiness. Whatever that great thing is. 
Everybody got along during Thanksgiving. You didn't burn the, the Thanksgiving turkey or whatever it might be. You have these, these, these feelings of happiness because it just happens to you. But joy is the product of something great. Where happiness happens to you, joy is given to you. You've got to understand that distinction. It's, it's, it's a subtle one, but it's a really important one. Happiness happens to you, but joy is given to you. Notice that the, the angel said to him at the very beginning, they said, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of what? Great joy that will be for all the people. Do you know that because joy is received, it's, it's actually written about over 224 times in Scripture. But in the New Testament, there are only six times, and really you could say seven times, that there is great joy. Great joy, you might even say that it is mega joy. So, what I find is that people who are followers of Jesus, they stop receiving the joy that is being offered. We stop receiving it for, for a ton of reasons. We don't even realize that we stopped receiving it because we, we think that if we just follow Jesus correctly, if we, if we have the right prayers and do the right things, that, that happiness is just going to happen. And we miss out on the great joy that comes with Jesus Christ. So I would ask you this morning, how's your joy doing? Is it a little joy? Or is it mega joy? Is it great joy? If you, want, if you want it to be great joy, if you want it to, to not be something that's small, but something that is ever-expanding, then you have to make a decision. We have to commit ourselves, and this really is the connect this morning, but we have to connect ourselves to rejoicing. Because when we commit ourselves to rejoicing, it sets the spiritual kindle of joy ablaze in our hearts. But that's, that's, a, that's something we have to commit to. Here's, here's where in this, in this world that we live in where everybody has an opinion and everybody has a typically negative response to something that's out there. If we're committed to negativity, if we find ourselves committed to bitterness, we find that it'll suffocate the great mega joy that God intends to be in our hearts. We live a life where there's not a warmth, there's not a comfort, there's not a strength that is ever, ever expanding in our hearts because we've not committed ourselves to rejoicing, we've committed ourselves to negativity. We've committed ourselves to, to a, a life of, of bitterness, that why and woe is me and, and I don't like this being done and I think that was wrong. And, and every time we do that, we're throwing just a little bit of water on the fire that is intended to just blaze in our hearts. In fact, over the years, I, I just, I always chuckle when it comes to Christmas trees and Christians. Uh, so, so many Christians are quick to, to say that, well, listen, that's, that's a pagan thing. We don't do that. They, they tend to bring their, their ultimate religiosity into the Christmas time and just take a moment of their hearts and, and, they, and they squelch any kind of joy that can come around a Christmas tree or Santa Claus, or, or whatever it is that they tend to they get themselves into. In fact, uh, you know, the other one that's real big, well, Jesus couldn't have been born on the 25th of December. 
Who cares? But the reality is, is that people are out there trying to, without even realizing it, in their religion, put a damper on the flames of joy that are intended to burn bright and hot in our hearts. And so we have to commit. We have to commit that this is a season of celebration. And how many of you have ever gone to a wedding that has been so full of negativity and so full of ugliness that nobody enjoyed themselves? That's not really something that happens. That's a celebration. And, and along with celebration, it's joyous behavior. People are, people are happy. Same true this time of year. That we, we decide that we're going to celebrate. And we have to do that regardless of what fear may be prevailing in our own hearts. Because it's the first thing that the angels really began to address. So we have to, we have to not be afraid of rejoicing. Because here's the reality. Is the pronouncement of, of rejoicing came when they made the pronouncement, not when they saw the fulfillment. But what so oftentimes happens is we have this fear in our hearts that, that maybe the fear is not out there for everybody to know, but we know the fear is there. The fear is there when we look at ourselves in the mirror, and the fear is just very simply is a fear maybe of being disappointed. That that which was pronounced to you, the words that brought the joy, would not become a reality. A lot of that stems from a, a, a really a, self, a, a lack of self-worth, a believing that, that I'm not really one of the whole world that even the angels were talking about. And so we're not worthy of receiving the promises that the Lord has given us over a period of time. Or we're not worthy of the forgiveness in Jesus Christ. But since Christ, since Christmas is a time for mega joy, we've got to overcome that fear. So we have to begin to rejoice. And so every time you rejoice, and we're going to break this rejoicing down a little bit more, but every time you rejoice, it's a matter of putting something on the fire. It's going to ignite quickly. So when we were in the White Mountains, I, I, uh, I, I don't miss having fires, by the way. I like going to the gas thing and turning it on and lighting the flame. I like that. But we had a wood stove, and, and of course, when, you know, this time of year, the temperature would drop, the lows would start getting well below freezing, there would be days that would come that wouldn't even make it above freezing because we were in the, in the mountains, and, uh, and, and so we would have to start fires. Well, a big part of that, and I want you to get this, is taking a piece of wood, for us it was cedar, cedar makes great kindling, and you take this log, and you'd have to break it into smaller pieces, and when you, when you take the things that are in this portion of Scripture and you begin to break it in smaller pieces, you find that you can latch on to something that will begin to allow you to rejoice. And as you do that, you're just taking that little piece and you're putting it on the fire. And so that when the fire starts, it's going to catch that first. And the fire is going to be able to be sustained because there's going to be a piece of wood, a piece of kindling, that will have been cut. Because we all live in a time where we know that Jesus came, but we also know that he's coming again. 
And we've not, we've not seen the fulfillment of that promise yet, but we've got to make sure that we are at a place where we are keeping that fire hot even before we see the fulfillment of the promise. Now, the Lord, the Lord we all have these individual promises where the Lord has is, is shown us something that he is moving us toward and, and, and that we're moving towards. So there's a fulfillment individually and there's fulfillment corporately. But how do we get to a place where we are stacking up now this kindling in a way that we can rejoice and see the fire burn? That's the whole grow piece, by the way. We have to arrange it. And I think there are three things in the scriptures here that when we arrange it, it really makes a significant difference for us. Because you take the one great truth and now we're going we're gonna to put it into smaller pieces And what you find here is the first piece of rejoicing has to do with great heights that we're we're exposed, that we're open up to in this portion of Scripture. In verse 13 and 14, it says, And suddenly there was an angel, uh, with an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You have to understand that it's in these moments because of Jesus Christ's coming that the heavens have been opened up. And so whenever we glorify God, we're now, we're now rejoicing because as a follower of Jesus, no says this it's to those who he's pleased, we are pleased, we please God being in Christ. And so now the heavens are opened up and we have plenty of things to rejoice about. So when you feel like, when, when the, the things of life, when the things of this season attempt to, to squelch the joy in your heart, just say, wait a minute, I need to take a stop because I need to lay this piece of kindling because the heavens have been opened up. It may feel like I'm in the middle of hell during this season, but the heavens have been opened up to me. And so we literally say, and, and throughout this, I'm going to encourage you to, to, to begin to latch on to this. It's in this part. When we talk about the greatest heights that have been opened up to us, the, the great throne room of God, from the greatest heights of heaven to this earth has been opened up for us, but we have to receive this reality and the joy that accompanies it. If all you're looking for is the happiness of this earth, you're going to miss out on the joy that is given that heaven has now been opened up to you and I. But not only that, heaven has brought me peace. And here's the beautiful thing is that, is that do you realize that we are most satisfied when God is most satisfied? And the beauty of Jesus coming and opening up heaven and bringing peace to us all is that God is completely satisfied as we are in Christ. And so if you're, if you're attempting in your own ability to satisfy God, you're really missing it. Because that's already been opened up. He's pleased in Christ Jesus. But we have to receive this reality and the joy that accompanies that reality. And so when I receive the reality that I have peace because God's given it to me, I have another reason to rejoice. The other cool thing is that, is that now that heaven is opened up, it humbles us. It causes us to recognize that there is a dynamic that is greater than everything that we could possibly see at work. Because when we look and we see, we typically see bad things. We see governments against themselves. We see people striving to get what they can while they can in this short amount of time. Stepping on others to get themselves up higher. But when 
heaven is opened up, we look and we find that, wait a minute, there's something greater. In fact, you find that in the shepherds as they, later on in the stories, they, they leave, they're glorifying and praising God as they go. The, the magi that came, they humbled themselves, they bowed down. Because there is something greater than we can imagine that's been opened up to us. And when we, when we receive that reality, we also receive the joy that accompanies it. I like the fact that we sang about the Father today. I think that is a, that's a great dynamic for us to understand that, that here the, the great God of heaven has said, I'm there for you. I've invited you into my presence. And so, so when we understand that, now there's a joy that accompanies that. Because while you may feel rejected during the holidays, or you may have people that, that push you away, that's on them because the great God of heaven has accepted us. And now we come in, and we receive the joy of that. So there's this great height that we need to, we need to receive, but there's also a great length that he goes to. You find that in that same scripture just before it, it says that, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What's the length that God will go to? All. Now, if you've been living, or you feel like, or you have this belief system that you're not part of the all, that you're outside of the, the length that God has gone to, then you're not going to have joy in your heart. You're going you're to be disappointed thinking that it's for everyone else. And so the moment you find that you're struggling there, you need to make a choice and receive the joy of your inclusion. How many times this week did you, did you just say to the Lord, Lord, I thank you for including me. I've said this before, I'll say it again. So oftentimes if you're a believer and, you, and your parents were believers and you hear someone's testimony, I, I was in drugs and alcohol and I was saved out of that. And you look and go, well, I don't have a testimony like that. You know, I was an axe murderer and I spent 50 years in jail, but I found Jesus and I'm serving him outside of jail. Well, I don't have a testimony like that. The fact that God would conclude you in a godly lineage is an amazing thing. The fact that he would go to the links to make sure that you were born in a family that says yes to him is an amazing thing. And so it doesn't, it doesn't disqualify you because you don't have that incredible testimony. No, you have an incredible testimony because the great God of heaven puts you in a lineage and went great links to accomplish it. So you, gotta, you, you really do need to choose to receive that joy. But I think there's more here because it, it also says it, that he was born. The, the beautiful thing is that Jesus came and became one of us. I don't think we can fully grasp the enormity of that reality, this side of heaven. When we see the almighty God, we're going to go, and you became that? But you did. And be, you did that because you went to great lengths to show me the life that you always intended for me to live. And when we understand that, all of a sudden, joy, wait a minute, I wasn't, I wasn't made 
to do the existence this world says that I have to live. I mean, let's face it, you know, we live in a world that, that we're the only part of creation that pays to live here. Let that sink in. You know, if you have a dog, they don't not only not pay, they just are totally taken care of. But we pay to be here. And, and we look at that existence and go, wait a minute, there's lacking something. We know that lacks because Jesus came and showed us a life of a fulfillment, a life of joy. He showed us a life of, of expansion. And so he came and he became one of us. So we received that joy. But it also says, it also talks about the city of David, and it talks about Christ, the Lord. You understand the links that, that ha- is happening here is Jesus is going all the way back to Adam, making sure that all the sin that was committed was paid for. Not only in the past, but also the sin of your tomorrow. Now, let me tell you something. Now, now some will go, well, you're just giving a license for people to go out and sin. I, I think the more you receive that joy, you, you find that there is a life that's much better than the sin. And so it's not something that is done legalistically. It's done out of this relationship. It's done out of this, this joy of, of, of recognizing that there is a life that is much different than the one that this world affords. And so the joy begins to, to expand. Because when it says Christ, it's talking about him being the Messiah. Him being the chosen one. And I receive that. I'm going to receive that joy. The other beautiful thing is that he was born a king. And this king that was born served his subjects. Everything that he did in life was for his subjects. And so he's Lord and he's king. And so when when we come to him, we come and say, you came to serve me, now I come to serve you. And there's great joy in the ability to serve our King, our Lord. And so we make the choice to receive the joy. Let me kind of finish up here with the great depths because there's the height, there's the length, and there's the depth. And I've already kind of touched on the, the great depths a little bit. But the very first announcement that is given here addresses the depths that the Lord will go to to make sure that we have the fires of joy in our hearts. Because we have the Savior who came into this world of great sin, great fear, great sorrow, and great suffering. In fact, this child is, who literally is joy incarnate, becomes a man of sorrow. He's acquainted, acquainted with grief. And because of his great suffering, he secures that all of us get the joy. But before all of that, there is the fear. And it's the fear that he goes to great depths to make sure that it is overcome. And so for us, the depth of this kind of joy, we have to accept. We have to receive that the great God of heaven, 
that has been opened up and has gone great lengths will go to the depths of our fear and he will bring joy that will cast out that fear. From his birth to Bethlehem to the death on the cross, this joy was great enough in him to be born in obscurity, to be laid in a manger, to have no place to lay his head, to be rejected by his own people, delivered over to authorities, betrayed by his own friends, and ultimately, because of the joy that was set before him, go to the cross. And I'm telling you something, this joy cannot be extinguished. And so we open ourselves up to it and say, Lord, come to the depths of my heart where fear resides and overcome that fear. So let me, let me talk just a few moments as we go with this because it's one thing to arrange it. We take it into smaller pieces, right? So now we have the depth and we have the, we have the length and we have the, the height. But there are things that we do that ultimately light that, that really allow that to, to, to burn. How we light it is simply uh, the, the, to understand that the knowledge of the word, it produces that flame. That's, that's, the, that's the igniter. Which is exactly what we've done this morning. We've looked in God's word. And if, and if there's not been any area that has, has, has touched your heart that has ignited anything, well, you need to step back and say, okay, Lord, where is it that I'm struggling? Am I struggling with the height? Am I struggling with the length? Am I struggling with the depth? I, I want there's something to be ignited there. Because God's word is intended to ignite some form of change in our own hearts. But if what is in our hearts is so, so weighted down and so, so like wet wood, then the word has lost its effectiveness. And so one of the things that you may need to do this week is just simply meditate on this portion of scripture and say, Lord, would you come? Would you ignite this for me? I want the joy to, to fully be in, in, into my heart and my life. Now, for me and my makeup and my, my spirituality and my walk with the Lord, this is very easy for me. Because as an, as an introvert, I love bringing in the Word of God because I don't have to say anything. But where, where you find that the knowledge of the Word produces it, worship invokes it. And so, so now you've got, you've got the Word of God, but now the worship comes along with it. And all of a sudden, it really begins to flame. But that requires us to, to open, our hand, open our mouths. It requires us to lift our hands. It requires us to clap. Do you know clapping is not just done at the snare every time the snare, by the way, that's when you clap is when the snare hits, you know. It, right? Uh, I've been around enough dysfunctional clappers to know that that's, you know, that's what brings them back to center. But that's, it's not meant just for in the building. You know, when, in, the days, in the days of old, when a king would come back, people would line the streets and they would clap because the king was present. When you begin to declare the presence of the king in your living room, in your bedroom, in your closet, Lord, you are here. I praise you. Something begins to fill your heart because now you're expressing and rejoicing this faith that, that Jesus has promised to not just be with us, but never leave us. And so we worship and we glorify him. We sing praise. We declare his greatness. We say, Lord, you are worthy because heaven's opened up. 
I bow myself before you, the great and mighty God. Because, Lord, you opened that up and showed the, 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 the heights of which, Lord, I now can go. Why would I ever not come before your presence? Because of Jesus Christ. And I would say that now, again, this is obvious. I don't typically in the car or at home, I don't listen to music. I'm not a big music guy. You might be. And as I was kind of just praying over this, I think there's some of you that need to, that you need to say, okay, yeah, this is my Spotify playlist or, you know, however you, you do your, your music thing. Uh, you need to step back and say, am I just doing it because I like the music? Or am I really taking time to acknowledge the greatness of the God that I serve? Am I really stopping and pondering and, and declaring the greatness of this God that has allowed heaven to be opened up to me? But where worship invokes it, obedience really discovers it. Because what you find is, as you're in the word of God, and, and God says, this is what you do, and then you begin to worship, you find that God is saying, I'll give you the power to do it. We still have the choice here to be obedient. And the pronouncement of, that we get from heaven, which happens in these moments, they will always lead us somewhere. The pronouncement of the, of the Christ child being born led the shepherds to actually go there. And so it's not just a matter of declaring my faith. Faith, now I'm going to begin to walk out my faith. And there is a joy in being able to step back, regardless of the outcome. I, I don't know why the Lord has just in this side thing really just been, just really been talking to me about the, the, you know, don't worry about the how and the when. All started when, when I was kind of in time with King David. And, and, you know, here's the reality of King David's life. God, he knew God's will for his life. His, the will for God's life for him was what? To be king. But the when and the how was nothing like anybody imagined. But the fact is, is every step of the way, David was just obedient to the Lord. And when you're obedient to the Lord, the Lord brings a joy going. It may not happen. Get this difference between happiness and joy. It may not happen like you think. But you can take joy in knowing that you've been obedient to me. And so we receive that joy. Lord, I was just obedient and that's the way it's going to work. I'll let you work out the details. You'll, but, I, but I think that, that there's... The, the other part that happens is that if you, what you find in any kind of fire is that sometimes you even need to take that kindling and move it around a little bit. And so I just added in here that, that you find that work fosters it. And, and here's what I mean by that. Is that when, when, the, when they, they received and, and recognized the fulfillment of the promise in Christ Jesus, they went around everywhere praising and declaring God and sharing everything that they had experienced. And so here's the beauty of it. When you receive joy, then you begin to recycle it. You begin to recycle it around. There should be no greater people in the world that have joy expressed than followers of Jesus. That means you can have, I'm going to step on some toes here, so forgive me in advance if you want to put your feet back on your thing. This means you can have joy before coffee. You can. You can go to bed joyful, and you can wake up joyful. If you choose to receive it and recycle it. Now, that's good until the day that I'm in a bad mood. Right? Anybody here ever be bad mood? Nobody. One, a couple of honest people in the room. 
The fact of the matter is we do good most of the time. And then, and then we're in a place where we're bad. You know, that's going to happen. But the fact of the matter is when that happens, we recognize that all that's happening is, again, the world is attempting, even through our emotions, to put a wet blanket on the fire of joy that's to fill our hearts. So then we make our, a decision to commit ourselves to rejoicing more that day. Now I'm going to rejoice the fact that heaven has opened up, the lengths that he went for me, the depths that he'll go and cleanse me. I'm going to rejoice in all of that. And then all of a sudden you'll find that while, while maybe your day still becomes just still kind of a rough day, but what you find that ultimately in the end is that your perspective has changed. You can handle the bad day. The, the bad days for, for preachers are always Monday. I never make decisions on Monday. Never. Because my, my perceptors are off. But I can all still find joy in the Lord. And so I will always work to foster it. And so will you make the commitment to rejoice in the Lord this, this season? Every celebration. Just to lift up. And, and, and I believe that the different ways the Holy Spirit spoke to you. That you will take steps to actually accomplish. So as the worship team comes and prayers leads to the last steps. Can we just before the Lord. Can you just lay your hands out before him. And, and let the Lord know that you want to. You're going to commit to rejoicing this holiday season. That you're going you're gonna to commit in a new way, in a different way than you have before. You're saying, Lord, I commit to rejoice in you. Lord, whether it's rejoicing that heaven does open up and I have peace and joy and contentment, Lord, or it's, it's really just rejoicing in the place to the, to the links that you went to, to make sure that I was and had the opportunity to say yes to you and have my life in you. Or Lord, or, or for the person that is the depths, they're, they're, you're going you're gonna to do a cleansing. You're going to do a deep cleaning because we rejoice in your ability to deal with the fears that are deep in our hearts this season. We choose to rejoice in that, Lord God. Because Lord, we know that, Lord, as we are set ablaze in the power of the Spirit, Lord, it's going to be attractive to others. And we can then be that source of joy. And so cause us to be that this holiday season in Jesus' name. Boy, if you agreed with that at any point, say amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.